previously on Too Close to Home. We talk about Ed Gein's beginning of his life in shitty Vance Canson and his blooming Oedipus complex. And then we go through all the disappearances all the way up to Bernice Warden, which is the linchpin leads to his downfall. Let's get in it. afraid I couldn't exactly say, but it seems like that is from a leg, I believe. And that's Ed Gein identifying the skin on a basket he made. Oh, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> there was a lot of moments of that where they were uh, definitely trying to identify different parts for different things that he had made because we've all heard about the nipple belts and stuff, but he also loved lampshades and baskets and bowls and stuff. So this is Ed Gein part two, and this is Jen. And this is Becky. And it's too close to home. Ed Gein edition. Whoop, whoop. So let's go over the sources again. Um, I listened, because I don't read. <laughs> Deviant, the shocking true story of Ed Gein, the original cycle, Psycho by Harold Schechter. Wikipedia, psychological evaluation of Ed Gein. Medical report on Bernice Warden and Ed Gein's confession transcript. And boy, you guys, you're in for a treat today. <laughs> we left off. We're talking about how they found Ed at the hills and they put him into custody. So law enforcement decide they need to, of course, go search his farmhouse. They entered through a summer kitchen and in the dark, they ventured through into the house. Remember, it did not have plumbing or electricity. So you've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Mm-hmm. It's light as shit. Mm. You walking into the dark. Just things like are my wet. childhood home. I don't know where this moisture's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's hairy. I don't know. The officers felt something hanging, like it bounced into it. He bounced into it. And in the light of his flashlight, he discovered a large white body, headless and dressed out like a heifer or deer. And it was Bernice Warden's body. Mm. And there's actually pictures of that. Mm. It's delightful. And she is very much hung up like a deer. Later, they would find her heart in a plastic bag in front of the stove with entrails wrapped up in an old man's suit, which... Putting it in a bag. Okay, kind of logic. Let me wrap it up in a men's suit. Diseased mine. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no well thought out play for this, okay? I, I like how you gave credit, though, that the heart in a bag had some rationale to it. I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, you put things in bags. <laughs> Seems like he's the saving type based <laughs> off of what he had in there. Later on, they found the head in a burlap sack under some dirty mattresses covered in sand. There were nails in the ear connected to twine, which looked as if he had intentions to hang her head like the rest of his trophies. Mm. Remember, he had all his shrunken, not shrunken heads. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what he was doing with that. They radioed the news of the discovery and returned to the home to investigate further. They found a rudimentary crossbar hung across the um, ceiling. The rudimentary crossbar that was hung um, went, both sides went into the tendons of this 58-year-old grandmother's ankles. They didn't realize that's not where the, t- the horrors start. That's where they just began. They looked by flashlight and kerosene lamp, and everything was, like, disgusting, like, covered in shit. Like, he had all these, like, weird collections and stuff. It was very chaotic and had a weird intentional look to it. And only a few of the rooms, though, were found used. The rest of it was, like, boarded off and never touched. He spent his time working with the human medium, 
Okay. <laughs> Happy little skulls. <laughs> there was a soup bowl discovered made of a human skull. One of the chairs in the kitchen table was discovered to be upholstered with human skin, with four in total, because you have to have a set. <laughs> they discovered more demented creations like lampshades, bracelets, waste baskets, a tom-tom, which is like a mm-hmm. tomahawk, a sheath made for a knife, shade pool with decorated with women's lips, and a nipple belt, which we've all heard about. And then a crime lab specialist found a box of genitalia for females. There were nine vulva in total. And then one of them had been painted in silver with a red ribbon attached to it. She must have been special. No way. Oh, you're going to find out about that one. <laughs> there was a recently excised vulva and anus covered in salt to dry it. And another box, there was a set of four human noses. And then there was a cardboard Quaker Oats box with various pieces of human in it. Like odds and ends. Yes, elbows and shit. <laughs> Kneecaps. <laughs> Kneecaps, Yes. Some creations were meant to be worn. There were several pairs of leggings. I guess Lululemon, you know, just didn't come in time. <laughs> Not even <laughs> sure what to say to any of this. Carry on. And of course, the, the leggings are made of, from legs. A woman's torso that was worn as a vest. A collection of masks with hair still intact. Some dried out. Some carefully preserved. Some even wearing makeup. Four had been mounted on the wall and was the notorious shrunken heads. Some masks were also stored in paper bags. So logical. One investigator removed a mask from a paper bag and another went, oh my God, that's Mary Hogan. Terror. Several pieces were found in the kitchen and in Ed's bedroom. Nipples, breasts, lips, skulls, various bones. When researching the rest of the home, they discovered that the parlor and front bedroom was neat and absolutely in order. It was obvious the rooms had been inhabited by a woman, but hadn't been used in years due to the layer of dust. And they said you can tell it was a layer of dust because you couldn't even walk by it without it lifting the dust. It was such a thick layer. So nobody had one. Like, he had hung out in the kitchen area, and then he had one little tiny room, and both of them had stoves in it. Like the old Mm -hmm. wood stoves. The bedroom was actually Ed's mother's, and he treated it as a shrine. And they were the first to enter those rooms since she had died, and it was shut up. They said it was clear that most of the home was untouched due to the layer of dust and ascertained later that he possibly didn't spend as much time in the home as previously thought. And there was knowledge of Ed sleeping in barns and abandoned houses. So there may be more bodies to be discovered, which is something I didn't know. I mean, I would think, you know, you have your art studio. (laughs) You'd want to be close by and not hanging out in barns and shit. But then again, we all know he was not into hygiene. So, I mean, all the things he made there's got to be a shit ton of victims oh yeah so after his arrest he was transported to a nearby watoma in a small jailhouse with three deputies at standing guard sheriff schley who had been ed's home for hours came in and attacked ed to get a confession he had been sitting there for hours finding all these body parts and everything so like it mentally had hit his limit in fact, later on he actually dies of a heart attack in 45 before ed even goes to trial and a large part of it was because he attacked him and he was stressed about it because he botched his head against the wall. Understandably so. I mean, I would too if I had seen all that <laughs> shit. And like, Motherfucker! You know? I mean, it's physically making me ill listening to it. So I can right. imagine seeing it. And then, of course, you know, just the stress from all the media and everything. That was a lot on him. For 12 hours, he was interrogated without counsel, but he did not confess. And then within 30 hours... 
Ed finally started to give confessions concerning Miss Warden. At this point, news had spread like wildfire, even for that time. There are inconsistencies which fueled the stories about the butcher of Plainfield. Miss Warden's heart was found in a frying pan, but it was really in a plastic bag. So many people just ran with the cannibalism. Uh, as the news caught on, the small town of Plainville was inundated with reporters and news stations. This also drew, drew the attention of law enforcement all over who were looking at Ed for every unexplained disappearance that he may have had a hand in, such as Georgia Wexler, Evan Hartley, and Mary Hogan. And of course, Georgia Wexler is the one we talked about last episode, which was a young girl. Evan Hartley was the babysitter who disappeared. And of course, Mary Hogan, which it's it's pretty known that he definitely did kill her, but he didn't get charged for her necessarily. One particular headline from the Milwaukee Journal covered, and this is a very long title. I don't know why they did this, but obsessive love for his mother drove Gein to slay, rob graves, ghoulish acts were stirred by her death. He thought victims resembled parent authorities learned during quizzing. Yeah, that's way too fucking long. Like, okay, bullet point it. That's yeah. too long. These stories, uh, as well as leaked information, helped flame the fires of the Gein legend. There was talk about his preservation techniques, the wearing of skin and dancing in it, murder of women who resembled his mother, Oedipus complex of the severest sort, and some misguided transgender ideas and wishes. Police and crime scene investigators searched the 195-acre farm, and as they went through the pile of trash, they found more and more body parts. There was an estimate of 15 women's bodies in various parts in Ed's home. I guess there's like a mathematical equation like, okay, we got... Twelve legs. <laughs> <laughs> so six bodies? But, but like we didn't have D DNA, so we what if it was like really twelve bodies and he only kept the right leg and that was his thing? Yeah. Not king shaming, except when you're just taking women's right legs. But <laughs> I'm gonna kink shame him a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Again <laughs> was taken to the property so he could pair, point out various locations around the property, including the spot where he dumped a pail full of Miss Borden's blood from behind the house. He was then taken to the courthouse to be arraigned on account of armed robbery for the 40 and some odd dollars that he stole from the warden's store and was told murder charges would be for coming forthwith. He told the judge uh, he had hired a lawyer and his bond was $10,000, which I probably should have Googled how much that is in today's money since we love to do that, but <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> he went back into jail, of course, and then... Lieutenant Weber from La Crosse, Wisconsin, PD, came to investigate Ed for the disappearance of Evelyn Hartley. There were rumors abound about this. One of the Volvas in connection was a young girl, and there were clippings from the case found around the home. How do they know the Volvo was from a young girl? It That's, just looks supple? I, opposed to dried up? Maybe the lady had a small Volvo. Why are you trying to Volvo shame? <laughs> so you, the Volvo was from a young girl. How the fuck you know? <laughs> I know, right? What if she was a small person? That reminds me of um, the Leopold uh, and uh, Loeb. Yes, and how they tried to get rid of the genitals because they were like, you can be identified by genitals. <laughs> Maybe there's some truth to it. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Genital prints or something. <laughs> Weber interviewed Ed and told the press afterwards that there, much of the items of, of in the home had been sent to the crime-led lab. Mm. Man. Starting out strong today. Ten heads, some with eyes, some without. Some heads had skulls and some were masks. All of them were in various states of preservation and they were cured in brine. Pickle heads. Mm. 
I mean, he knew what he was doing. I'll say. I mean, they found a face and they knew who it was. <laughs> Listen, it, it, that sounds That's like a real professional. Right, a. Think about Michael Myers' mask in Halloween. Nobody knows that that's William Shatner's face. Is it really? Yeah, it was a William Shatner mask. Huh. And they painted it white and fucked up the hair, but you wouldn't know it. No. I wouldn't have painted it up and been like, oh, old Bill Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> they painted that up and they were like, oh, damn. Should have got with Ed Gein. Mary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, not Mary. So the seats, I thought in my head was it was going to be like a whole ass seat just covered in it. No, it was like this rattan seats where it was wood and then the rattan was the bottom portion where you put your butt. Yeah, it was that like was, a bar stool and it was like the leather where you sit on it. But yeah, it's kind of like that. Like it's just just that portion. But there was four. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of skin. Yeah. Somebody's back. It'd probably be one of my thighs, though, at least. <laughs> I mean, I'm only... Four eleven and a half. So you're not going to get a whole set of chairs. I love how out of you me. had to throw a half in there. I'm four eleven and a half, which means I am almost five feet tall. <laughs> if we're rounding, then I am. <laughs> like yours, I'm six and three quarters. <laughs> Gene said he would go in these spells, and then he would pray, and then he would all of a sudden like kind of come out of it, and he would leave. Sometimes that would work. Sometimes that wouldn't. He also said that he was doing this for a medical perspective and had always hoped to be a doctor. All the body snatching was purely for anatomical study. Now tell me, how many bodies are in your house, Becky? I plead the fifth. <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> I was just thinking like I could get to a degree your medical part until you started using their bodies for lampshades and pool shades and furniture coverings and then outfits that doesn't work anymore buddy the nipple belt if you just had a bunch of shrunken heads and shit and you were dissecting and learning about these bodies I mean still wouldn't be right but there wasn't a damn beaker in all the place (laughs) I bet there wasn't (laughs) not one Bunsen burner not one Where is the safety station if you get chemicals in your eyes? Where? Where's the eyewash station? Where? Where is it, Ed? So he said he would vehemently deny that the cannibalism wasn't true. He actually believed Gein, and he was also in the belief that he was not the perpetrator, 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 perpetrator for Evelyn Hartley's disappearance. Although one of the heads did seem to come from a younger woman, it was no resemblance to Evelyn, which I want to know. Who made that call? Yeah. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 Evelyn, Evelyn. It's probably the same person who said the vulva came from a young girl. <laughs> they said the tennis shoes covered, recovered from the crime scene and believed to be the suspects was a size 11 and a half. Ed wore a size 8, which meant me and him are the same size. <laughs> Twinsies. <laughs> Another piece, a jacket found on the side of the highway was possibility, but circumstantial, because it could have been anybody's jacket. The Ed had never been back to lacrosse after his family left, and there was a possible alibi for Ed for Evelyn Hartley's disappearance. So that one is much more uncertain. I think it's a lot of like the confession killer in a way where they're trying to close these cases. So they're, it has to be him. He's the closest to it. Like, it's got to definitely be him. Whereas I do, without a fact, believe that he killed Mary Hogan. Uh, no. I identified our head was well preserved. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, Jen. We already know. And we found 
Sherry's vulva or whoever. Vulva. <laughs> Solved. Next. <laughs> so he would compliment that um, Ed was meek and sincere, which, I mean, aren't all criminals trying to be sincere? Like, isn't that the thing? Um, it's just so sweet, though. It was contrary to the depraved madman the press had, had made him, and it was the general consensus of medical and law enforcement staff that he would make. I could see him, like, being meek in the kitchen with, like, when I cook, I always have, like, a towel over my shoulder, and I could see him, like, with the towel, like, <laughs> dicing and chopping folks up, and then with sitting down at the table. Singing some, with like, needlepoint. Me all bound from the mound to like, buy you. The thread and putting it through the needle. Throwing up the real jeepers creepers like. (laughs) Yeah, very. So they started working on the case of Mary Hogan and Ed's involvement. He owned a 32 caliber automatic pistol. And the piece of evidence was a 32 caliber shell casing that was found near the puddle of blood in Mary's tavern. The DA spent hours interrogating Ed, but he could only get Gain to confess that he had been in the tavern, although he said he had never met her. Okay, okay. The telling piece was the mass that was identified as Mary Hogan found in Ed's home, without a doubt, and this was confirmed by police. How it got there wasn't exactly clear. I feel like we would know. I feel like he loaded her up in his truck, and he took her own home. <laughs> that's a lot. That's literally what he told everybody. <laughs> Can you imagine? Sounds accurate. He's telling, JJ, did you hear about that girl, miss? Oh, she's just at the house. <laughs> I loaded her up in the truck, <laughs> took her home. And everybody's like, oh, JJ. <laughs> Yo, silly goose. <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> never mind. He would totally be a crime victim versus a perpetrator. A hundred and million percent. Are you saying percent. you had a flat tire? Let me help you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you can't lift it because of that cast? What's your name? Bundy? <laughs> Oh, that's a cool name. <laughs> Spot on. Spot on. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> <laughs> they further stated that the mask for Mary's skin reeked of embalming fluid. Knowing that she was not professionally embalmed and buried, <laughs> they were like, this might. I feel like he's on a profesh level, but whatever. Yeah, carry like, on. Like They're like, hmm, <clears throat> maybe he is embalming these women maybe these are all murder victims and not necessarily body snatching scenarios Hmm. i think we cracked the case (laughs) (laughs) eureka the da did get a chance to survey the gain home but most of the horrors had been taken to the crime lab and eventually press were allowed to take pictures of the dwelling and there are a ton of odd pictures of this whole thing like you're gonna have to google it it's I want to right now, but I need to pay attention. It's literally a whole bunch of like guys walking around, like pointing at shit. Like, look at this. No, no, like there's no bodies or anything. They've hey, already Jay, taken it off. Picture. Hey, look, I was in the gatehouse. What? <laughs> Same fame. There's actually um, an investigation of like picture of like them pointing at a purse, and it's them debating on if that's a human skin or is an actual purse. <laughs> Is it human skin? Is it alligator skin? Does it Does have a belly button? Really know. Does it have a belly button? <laughs> I feel like it would be like pretty clear. Like if I came over to borrow a handbag and you pulled them out, I'd be like, mm-hmm. that one is going to be a hard pass. 
you don't have to be the devil wearing Prada to know. Oh, right? <laughs> this is an authentic Louis Vuitton. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm still confused that they're like, what do you think, Bob? Flush or not flush? <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to ask the old I, wife. I'm going to, I just, carry on. I just need to see what this purse looks like. <laughs> Another uh, one is a Christmas wreath. And the Christmas, a Christmas wreath, and it's hung up on the. And it's not made out of people parts. Is that an actual Christmas? Oh, okay. Wreath? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Now you're gone too far. <laughs> no. The Christmas wreath. If we remember, Augusta died shortly after Christmas, so it's possible that she hung it up and he just never took it down. But it is really weird looking because it's all covered in shit and dust and all that and everything, and it's amongst all this grossness. Uh huh. I just seen the nipple belt, never seen it before. What? And I just seen the lamp made out of It makes me feel like faces. It's a, a knockoff sheer belt. You know what I mean? Like back in the eighties when they would wear <laughs> the leather belts with the silver medallions all over them. Sometimes they would have tassels. Well, in this case it would just be the nipple. His <laughs> <laughs> is this like a knockoff? The spine? Was the spine really on there? Oh, the spine lamp? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He was really creative. The chairs, I mean, he did a pretty good job. 10 out of 10. What's again? 10. again. <laughs> <laughs> so there was much discussion and heated debate on whether or not. Bro, there's people's faces tied into the, uh, sewn into the back of the chairs. If that weren't real flesh, that'd be a cool chair. All right. If it weren't real people faces. <laughs> I want the, uh, I want it to be like vegan human faces. Okay. Not real. <laughs> so there was much discussion <laughs> and heated debate on whether or not they should exhume the graves that Ed said he had already dug up. He had not only visited the Plainville Secretary, but he also claimed to visit the Spiritland Cemetery, which, P.S., wonderful naming there. Spiritland? Spiritland. <laughs> Stop it. And there was another cemetery. He said that he had visited over 40 times and supposedly dug up nine graves in total. He stated some specific statements of whose graves he dug up, such as Miss Eleanor Adams. There were a lot of skeptics who believe that Gein did not, in fact, dig up people and instead murder the victims. Duh. So to have such a slight build to dig down in the middle of the night with a lamp in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, there's not lights out there, right? So that would definitely draw someone's attention. Then taking the parts, reburying, reburying it, and making it look like it hadn't been dug up. So the local sexton, which I found out, is somebody who's not necessarily like a coroner or um, works at the mortuary. They just take care of the cemetery. Okay. Like they're the lands, landscaping Groundskeeper. guy. Groundskeeper. Yeah, he schedules all the burying and stuff. So the local sexton, Pat Dana, who completely discounted the ex ex uh, exhumations. He said that he had mowed at least once a week and kept a close eye on the place due to previous vandalizing at a neighboring cemetery. Also, in the summer, it was too busy because it was a local necking spot. You know, teens going out there and making out. And in the Can't winter, think of a more romantic place. <laughs> so much. <laughs> I remember moving from Florida to Georgia, and there was not shit to do in that town. They were like, we go to Walmart, which was 30 minutes away, or we hang out in cemeteries. Why? I know when you and I went to Dean Carell's grave, I almost made out with you. I mean, 
We were right there. <laughs> I was the like, his face, like, what? I was it like, was this romantic. is so romantic. The highway in the background, the smell of Popeyes wafting through the air. Tell me you wouldn't be turned on. <laughs> Jimmy's like, yeah, I would. I love Popeyes fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, we went there after. Yeah. Well, we tempted to anyway. Yes. <laughs> in the wintertime, the ground would be incredibly hard because they're in Wisconsin. There was also concrete vaults. Think about it. Everybody's buried six feet under in a concrete vault. And that was the standard for the type of soil that they had, which was super sandy. And they had steel caskets that were hermetically sealed. So not, so it would have taken a ton of effort to do all of this in a small amount of time. No less than the nine times he had claimed without anyone witnessing or finding disturbed, disturbed ground. The local mortician Ray Gould, 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 I think it's Gould. I mean, it'd be fitting, but anyways. Better that way, so. If you don't change your name, sir, you should. <laughs> Said that there were many graves within wooden boxes and the caskets were not always sealed tight, but he did state that he agreed that it'd be unlikely he did it himself, especially since the sandy, sto- sandy soil had to be shored up with timber and that took two people just to avoid the grave from collapsing on itself. Oh, yeah, tiny little Ed Gein didn't do all that. Right. I mean, why we are even entertaining that to begin with, I don't know. Oh, well, I was really mad about it. I had a whole discussion with Jimmy about it. Like, (laughs) let me tell you some bullshit. (laughs) But then they decided they were going to go ahead and exhume some of the bodies, regardless of permission from the families, because they needed to know. Just everything's on a need-to-know basis right now? We got to know. We got to know. So they went to Eleanor Adams first. And she was actually buried conspicuously close to Augusta. They found that the containers for the casket was actually wood and only two feet under the ground. Oh. And surmised that it could have been easily done to Miss Adams' grave. Was she in it? Uh, no. So when looking in the coffin of Miss Adams, they discovered it was empty with the exception of a crowbar. Oh. Hot so damn. Was, yeah, right? The second body to be exhumed was... Mabel Everson, who died at 65 years of age in 1951. They found that the body had been, was buried in a pile 15 inches underground and basically was just bones. So, like, she was, they, he dug her up, took her out of the casket, shut the casket, did whatever he did, came back, buried her on top of the casket in, like, a pile, and then just put some sand over it. Um, it was just 15 inches underground, which surprises me that like, it would not have rained enough and just, like, in Savannah, yeah. it rains so much and the water table gets high that bones will, have been known to come out of the ground. <laughs> just really old, old bones. They found that the box had been chiseled in t- into two, like the previous one, and then, like, the previous one as well, it was empty. By 12.30 p.m., they, de- they concluded exhumations with a summation that Ed Gein had been telling the truth and that they would <laughs> not be exhuming any more graves. <laughs> Okay, so see, I thought originally when you said they were just going to go, they were just going to go randomly, like, look in some people's graves, not the people he said he took. Okay, that makes more sense. He, They had to, like, get it out of him. Like, okay, so where was this one? Do you remember? How do you know who it was? Was it on the stone? Because some of them didn't have stones. And so, like, they are like, there ain't no fucking way. There's no way. Like, imagine, like, we do it legit around here, two feet down. <laughs> No, sir. No, do sir. not do it. Legit. I don't think so. Looks like it was a hot day <laughs> and you guys didn't know. You weren't in it. Mm-mm. You said sandy soil, not today. <laughs> oh, two people? Bob took off. Guess you're going two feet in the ground today. 
<laughs> Hope it doesn't have a hurricane come through here. Oh, wait, it's not coming <laughs> yeah. through there. Tornadoes? I don't know. What kind of natural disasters other than being in Wisconsin is there? Snow. Oh, yeah, that's true. Not just burying I feel like a, not even a factor in my brain living in Texas <laughs> and being from Florida. Like, snow, what the fuck? You're like, that's not such a thing. <laughs> I have never. <laughs> <laughs> we just get an ice storm and the whole fucking state shuts down. <laughs> For a week. Gaines stated that and until he died as well, that he had never had a sexual experience in his life aside from masturbation. <laughs> That's a sad thing. And that he never committed necrophilia because they, and I quote, smell too bad. And so in the Harold Schechter book, there's like one where he's talking about this woman that he had stolen and he goes down and puts his face near her vagina and then he recoils by the smell. And I'm like, sir, we didn't need that visual. Of all the visuals in the world, I didn't need that one. No. Uh-uh. I, I don't even know what to say. Was just going down there for a look? Was he going to go downtown on her? And then... I have no clue, but we're going to find out some more about that. <laughs> he was drawn initially to graveyards with the belief that he could raise the dead. And he was charged with one count of murder for Bernice Warden at that point. The sheriff decided that with the exhumation discoveries... And lack of funds available in the county, it would serve better serve the community to just charge him with one crime and move on. He said that the other places were welcome to investigate their own disappearances, but they'd have to foot the bill. Okay, then. Be like, all right, well, I mean, I, I understand enough. fiscal responsibility. <laughs> but we're talking about murder victims. And making furniture out of yeah, them. We're not talking about building a sidewalk, sir. No, we're not. <laughs> I, I love when I... Writing little things to myself just crack me up. And this one is, these are his confessions. Like he's usher. <laughs> <laughs> and then in parentheses, and psychology report. <laughs> and I say, okay, so Gein would be subjected to several lie detector tests. He found to, he was found to be telling the truth about the horrors and that there was no sign of embellishment. He went back and forth and acted disoriented and possibly feigned some aspects of his mental illness and physical illnesses. I had oh, a, I don't think he feigned anything. No. <laughs> he was truly disturbed. I have like a, after reading the transcripts and being in present day and knowing what we know now, I I do feel like, yes, he was telling the truth on what he did to the bodies. <laughs> yes, I dug up these bodies. Yes, they smelled too bad to fuck them. All this stuff, right? <laughs> but. No, I didn't eat them. His like, the way, his attitude during question, it was always like a, Maybe. Might have. I'm not sure. I can't tell. I plead the fifth. He didn't say I plead the fifth, but I feel like it was that kind of tone. Like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, now that you said that, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, sir, you knew what you were doing. Uh, yeah. He was competent. So Crazy. Crazy. Competent. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the reading the transcript was horrendous. I can totally hear the Midwestern accents in the writing. And even at one point, they gave him apple pie. With a slice of cheddar cheese on top, which is a Wisconsin thing. Yum. <laughs> the interviewers were really kind to him, and you could tell they were using sugary words to make Ed feel comfortable too. And he kept saying this, refresh your memory. Now that we're here, we're refreshing your memory, Ed. And they kept calling him Eddie. <laughs> All right, Eddie. <laughs> they would go over questions before the lie detector. He's like, okay, so we're going to write out 10 questions, and we're going to practice them. 
Goes, I don't want you to go in there because he would never give like a yes or a no. A lot of times he's like, you need to tell me yes or no. And you need to know, don't be, let me put words in your mouth. You need to be honest and say exactly how you feel and what you think. Kind of like when you catch your kid doing something, you're like, were you doing that? And they're like, well, see, what happened was I, I asked you a yes or no question. Was that what it was like with that game? Only much nicer. Okay. They're like, oh, now come on. You know, we're going to have to have a yes or no. Okay, yeah. So let's practice this Not again. Not about that life. <laughs> they practice several times these questions. And then he would also complain about several maladies. And in the um, psychology report, they wrote, there were numerous complaints of physical illness. He complained of headaches, sore throat, chest pain, abdominal distress, and constipation. It was felt by the staff that this symptomology could be best classified as pseudoneurotic schizophrenic process. A.K.A. He made that shit up. <laughs> Never heard them be like, oh, you're constipated? It's a sign of schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. You crazy? Because you got poop buildup. <laughs> it made me crazy, too, you know? Just a squeezing and trying. <laughs> and so I have a bunch of, like, things that they said in his psychological report, which was so funny. And then some things that were kind of give a little bit more focus and realization of like what his actual state of mind was. It was determined that Mr. Gein was suffering from a schizophrenic process for an undetermined number of years and that this schizophrenic process is made apparent by what is delusional thinking. He stated that his activities were the result of some outside force acting upon him and that he had been chosen as an instrument of God to carry out activities to which he, which to which were ordained to happen. And that the patient showed himself to be extremely suggestible individual who, without question, was inordinately emotionally attached to his mother. I mean, understatement of the year. And it was from her that his very strict moralistic attitudes in regard to sex and drinking were obtained. It's not clear what his motives were in violating the graves since he claims at the time that this activity was a result of an evil spirit influencing him to engage in this activity. It seems probable that his activity was the result of his desire to recreate the existence of his own mother. And that gives you a whole new meaning to Mama Boy. Yes, it does. You got two sons now. <laughs> Sit down and be like, we're not I... going to be about Augusta and Ed Gein, okay? I hope I don't fuck him up like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he because she fucked him up. Yeah. They go on to state that, they rec- that he recognizes during the examination that he would have done better had he actually been drafted into the Army and had more social opportunities. He does place outward blame on others, such as neighbors, that they had cheated him out of money and like they would treat him like an idiot and do like a bait and switch, which we've seen in life. That does happen in that it was their fault that they didn't visit and be more kinder with him after his mother died. Because definitely my personal problems is everybody's around me. Yeah. He does uh, go on to say that Miss Warden and Mary Hogan were both victims of their own sins. Miss Warden was a harlot who stole a man and married him unscrupulously. And Mary was a degenerate harlot who ran a bar. And so, like, there, he ended up telling this whole story about Mrs. Warden. Mr. Warden had been dating this girl. And the whole time, Bernice was seeing him on the side and stuff and pretty much took him from her. And the girl was so distraught that she, it was like, uh, what's that stuff that you, they put over your face and it makes you pass out? Chloroform. Yeah, that she drank chloroform and killed herself because of how dramatic that situation was. And then that 
is Miss Warden's fault all day long. Okay, okay. He held his mother on a high pedestal, saying she was good in every way and would openly weep when speaking of her. He stated that he heard his mother talking to him on several occasions for about a year after she died. His mother vo- mother's voice was heard while he was falling asleep, and apparently this is a nature of a hypoanagogic hallucination phenomenon. I don't know how I pronounce that. But anyways, these actually, these hallucinations occur normal people all the time, especially ones who have certain sleep disorders. And it's basically like when you're falling asleep and you're having like uh, sleep paralysis almost, but it's not the same. (laughs) I'm not a doctor. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just an armchair psychiatrist. (laughs) I love to pass judgment on people. Let's get real. He stated that for years after his death, after her death, he would hear her say, be a good boy. And uh, that's not weird. I don't know. Could you imagine being like choking the chicken and be like, be a good boy. Oh, mother. (laughs) He had above average intelligence, but it was hindered by inefficient functioning and that they felt that the female identification is present along with wishful thinking. Which I'm like, listen, I believe in gender identities and all that stuff. Like, I I get it. I believe that if a transgender woman is a woman, but like, wishful thinking. This man wore women's skin. I think it's beyond that. (laughs) This is this is a whole different kind of fucked up. Okay, it is. It is. This isn't about gender identity. It's not. No, not wishful thinking. Motherfucker skinned a bitch. And then put her on. Like, oh, would you fuck me? <laughs> I'd fuck me. And so their final diagnosis was schizophrenic reaction of the chronic undifferentiated type, which I don't even know what that means. It seems to me like they were just like coming up with words and they're like, boom, that's it. No, that's still a diagnosis. Is it? What does mm-hmm. that mean? Don't know. <laughs> Not a clue. I don't get that much into the diagnoses. I just see what... What's going on there? And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. That explains your behavior. That's, yeah. So, so the difference between undifferentiated, differentiated, you know, there's paranoid and this and that. There's all kinds of different <laughs> effective, not effective, all this shit. Don't ask me about all that. <laughs> so this is where our Q&A comes up. I pulled out a bunch of stuff from the transcripts of his interview with police. And I'm going to do my best, Ed Gein. Becky's going to be the investigator asking questions. Oh, I'm an investigator? Yeah, you're investigating. Okay. Boy, do you think... <laughs> dead. I'm already <laughs> dead. Boy! <laughs> do you believe in your own conscience that Miss Warden was the only woman whose life you took? That's true. I believe that. And you know, like you say. Is there any possibility about Mary Hogan? Like I said, I can't really. The way my mind is now, I couldn't really swear to anything. Now, boy, you remember, you were the one that suggested taking the lie detector test. Do you remember that? Yep. And do you recall what you told me as to why you wanted the test? Yep. I'd like for you to tell me again. Well, when I was talking to the sheriff, I'm not sure. That's before I met you? That's right. And if a lie detector test would help in showing that I was unbalanced and things like that, and kind of straighten things out, and they said yes. So I said, I'd like to have the test to see if it would show up. 
what were your intentions with the heart? Now, them fearings, the talk, I mean all over radio and the newspapers, has been that you had planned on eating that heart. And it was told that it was on the table. No, I personally saw it on the floor within about 18 inches of your bed. You still don't remember about the stockings and the shoes? How about the heart? You had told me that what your intentions were with the heart. Was it in a bag? With scraps of paper? Well, that always, that's what I always burn for kindling. Your napkin is right here. Here's another Kleenex. Well, Eddie, when you removed Bernice's head, did you snap the bone also? That's right. I just like that. Like that's here's a Kleenex. Now, did you snap her bone? <laughs> Do you ever have a recollection, Eddie, of taking any of these female parts, the vagina specifically, and holding it over your penis to cover the penis so you couldn't see the penis and just see the vagina? <laughs> I believe so. Now these faces, and I know you selected these heads and faces because of some particular association. Was there a resemblance in some of these faces that you had to your mother? I believe there was some. (laughs) Do you have any recollection, Eddie? If you would wear the face and the vagina, would you become sexually excited and masturbate? No, I don't believe so. You don't believe so, huh? Do you think you would wear the face over a prolonged period, Kay? Or or just for what length of time? It's kind of hard to tell. (laughs) But it would seem to me not too long. I had other things to do. (laughs) On portions of Bernice... When I saw her, and on some of these other things you had at home, there's some, is this presence or residue of salt? It could have been a mixture of salt and water, or it could have just been straight salt. There was uh, only one or two, wasn't it? Yes, plus Bernice. Now, it was on Bernice's face, and it was on Bernice's vagina. (laughs) On the vagina? I did, you know, sprinkle a little salt. (laughs) You sprinkled salt. But the face I don't remember. Do you recall attempting to, or actually having intercourse with Bernice after you brought her from her place? I believe I did try, but without much success. Did you have an erection? Remember my definition or explanation of an erection. Where your penis gets hard. I doubt it was complete. You feel that these two pieces of tissues or intestines, which uh, I had used the words for, that they were ball-shaped? And you think that they were reverse breasts? That's right. Do you remember who you might have gotten them from? Were they from Mary? You know, I think you're right as they remember. Well, that's not too important. I noticed that one of the vaginas is painted in aluminum or silver paint. I think you had given Alan, you remember Alan, 
an explanation, but I would prefer to hear from you as to why you had painted some of these things. And especially this particular vagina. Silver or aluminum paint. It was because, I don't know whether it was imbibed as most of them do, or something like that, and it was getting greenish in color. Uh, beginning to decay? Yes. And I put paint over it to see if that would help preserve it and stop it. Hmm. Okay. The first thought that occurred to some of the investigators was that it came from a small child or a young girl. No, it wasn't that. Tell me about your mother. I'd like to hear more about her. Was she a tall one or a short one? Medium size. <laughs> and a real good woman. When she was sick, she was just as nice as she could be. You know, a lot of patients, when they're sick, they get crabby. Did you prepare her food? That's right. And she tried to help some. Oh, I say went a little bad. Did she remind you of the fact that she always wanted you to be a good son? That's right. And that's it. <laughs> Out of 228 pages, those were the hits. There was plenty more. Those were great. Uh, like when they're talking about the pie, and he's like, you like the pie? And they're talking about the cheese and how old the cheese is and how it's curling up on the edges and how in Wisconsin, if you want good cheese, you have to leave the state because just like Florida with the oranges, they send the good ones out. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <It's> like- <laughs> <laughs> oh, then, that was and hilarious. And in that conversation, he goes, well, ain't that queer? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, this fucking thing is killing me. Every bit of it. Oh. And it, all his answers are like, maybe. I believe so. Now that you said it, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> so, and scene. <laughs> <laughs> and so the trial began. November 7th, 1968, and it lasted just one week. And at the request of the defense, Gein's trial was held without a jury because they was like, your peers are going to think you fucked up. So. Uh, yeah. And with Judge Robert A. Golmar presiding, Gein was found guilty by Golmar on November 14th, and a second trial dealt with Gein's sanity. After testimony by doctors from the prosecution and defense, Golmar ruled Gein not guilty by reason of insanity and ordered him committed to state central state hospital for the criminally insane so let's talk about life after buffalo bill Gaines' property was appraised and scheduled to be auctioned off in march of 1958 it was valued at four thousand seven hundred dollars which is forty four thousand dollars in today's money at least did that one damn we could have bought that i know girl now i you know i google mapped it. you know i google mapped it okay of course i had to do the little drive-by thing you know of course um before they could auction it off, though. On the 20th of March, the home was destroyed by fire. Arson was suspected, but the cause of the fire wasn't ever officially determined. And when Gein was told of this, he said, just as will. <laughs> so Gein's 1949 Ford sedan, which he used to haul bodies of his victims, was sold at public auction for $760, which is an equivalent to $7,100 in 2021. To Carnival Sideshow operator Bunny Gibbons. Gibbons charged Carnival goers 25 cents to see it. Which I think Zach Bates has it now. From Ghost Adventures. Mm -hmm. Or no, I think he is Kevorkian's fan. I don't know. I'm a fucker collects everything. 
Jimmy's Fun Facts. While Zach Bagans doesn't own Ed Gein's Ford sedan, he does own other pieces of macabre motor history, including the aforementioned Kevorkian van and the 1968 Chevrolet Camaro owned by Branch Davidian leader David Koresh. He is not empty-handed, though, in regards to Ed Gein murderabilia. In around 2015, Zach Bagans purchased, for $2,800 at an auction, the 25-gallon cauldron that Ed Gein used to discard victims' entrails after gutting. Until that point, it had been sitting in a Wisconsin woman's home since 1984, used as probably the world's most cursed flower pot. <laughs> While at the Minnetona Mental Health Institute in Wisconsin, where he would spend the rest of his life, Gein had most of the medical staff praise his amiable disposition and cooperative nature. And surprisingly, for such a gruesome killer, he had an unblemished incarceration record. Hmm. With the exception of creepily staring at nurses and other patients. Uh, not surprised. I feel like that's a side note that needs to be a bigger thing. Like, oh, he's great, guys. He's great. Except he does do that thing where he <laughs> stares at you and he smiles and it's just, it's a little disconcerting, but it's just Ed. It's just Ed. <laughs> just Eddie. <laughs> Good old Eddie. He would. Well, he did hurt. He did hurt some people. (laughs) (laughs) He ended up dying at that mental health institute due to respiratory failure, secondary to lung cancer on July 26, 1984, at the age of 77. Wow. He's interred between his parents and his brother in Plainfield Cemetery. And over the years, souvenir seekers have chipped pieces of his gravestone from the Plainfield Cemetery. So... The stone actually ended up getting stolen in the year 2000, and then it was recovered the next year near Seattle and placed in storage at the Washara County Sheriff's Department. The gravesite itself is not marked, but not unknown. So people, you can still go visit him if you want to in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. So let's talk about popular culture. I He's like almost single-handedly in charge of like, inspiring a whole bunch of these motherfuckers and, and these pivotal movies and and from my childhood and before of course you have psycho the norman bates character he would dress up as his mother which mm-hmm. i mean gene would literally dress up in women's clothes as his mother and his mother was very authoritative and uber christian like augusta and then of course you have the taxidermy reference the texas chainsaw massacre Leatherface's character, mm. he would wear human skin and he had a weird relationship with his family as well as the disgusting home reminiscent of Ed's house. Mm. Silence mm. of the Lamb, Buffalo's Bills, cross-dressing and women's suit wearing. It puts lotion on the skin or it gets those again. <laughs> Deranged, which was loosely based on Gein's life. American Horror Asylum, Dr. Oliver Threadson, which I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, he's like a mental uh, psychology doctor or something like that anyways he ends up taking one of the patients to his house turns out he's been killing women and he has this like weird fetish with mothers and he's been skinning him and wearing him and making oh shit like fucking lamps and shit and wild so like he's he's inspired video games movies and all that and it was fucking forever and a day ago 70 some years ago right 1950 yeah, 70 years. Yeah. I was thinking when he died, I'm like, yes, 70 like, years Jennifer, ago Jennifer, apparently you can't math. <laughs> <laughs> no, just Becky can't math. <laughs> but that's the story of Ed Gein. Disturbing. Very much so. Disgusting. I did learn a lot. I mean, because 
I haven't seen so much about Ed Gein. That's like one of the first things you learn about in serial killer love school. Okay. (laughs) You know, I never knew too much about him before this. Really? Shockingly. The whole thing about the graves and digging them up and then the other disappearances that happened in the area. Learning about his father, I did not know. Yeah, like I didn't really know more. It's always about his mother and his weird relationship Mm -hmm. with her and stuff. But it kind of helps like for me understand where his calm demeanor and stuff came from because his father was like that. He was very reserved and quiet and calm. So uh, it was weird. It was disgusting. I read a lot of shit that I didn't. I wish I could unread, including um, then trying to figure out what this piece of flesh was. We definitely need a mind bleach episode after this. Because that was disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just you wait. Next week when we record, I got some stuff coming. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, until next time. Stay safe. Keep your head on the swivel. And don't bring it so close to home that you have bodies hanging that the detectives bump into and you have a nipple belt and... Lampshades made out of people's flesh. <sighs> Just think about the chapstick scene with uh, Buffalo Bill. Don't bring that. Tucking the dick in. <laughs> what was that? Don't. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms. Follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook, at Too Close Podcast on Instagram, or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience, shoot us your story at Too Close to Home at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>